0: The Great Work is above all else the creation of man by himself, that is to say the full and entire conquest of his faculties and his future. It is above all the perfect emancipation of his will, which assures him the universal empire of Azoth and the domain of Magnesia, which means full control over the universal magical agent. The Great Work by Eliphas Levi. Hail and welcome to the Feast of Torches. I'm your host Azazel, and on today's episode, we will be discussing magical growth. Now before we get into the topic at hand here, um, I did want to discuss a little bit about what's been going on with me and why I've been taking so long to uh, release another episode. It's been a very interesting last couple of months. As some of you may have seen on Ashley from Seeking Witchcraft's Instagram post recently, we have decided to start our own outer Court and that really got me thinking about the topic at hand here now starting an outer court and thinking about running a coven is a lot of hard work and effort it's not just you know oh i already have all the training i can just go right into it (laughs) there's a lot more work behind the scenes that goes on you know because all groups are autonomous and all covens pretty much train their own unique ways no group is ever going to be the same and Like me and Ashley, we both have very different backgrounds in witchcraft and and our own experiences, and we wanted to create what would be best suitable for our students. So with that new venture, we both had to take kind of a step back from posting episodes and recording stuff and trying to get her to finish the goddamn Vampire Diaries and the originals. We've had no time to do anything else but develop this uh, new venture for us. But now that that's gotten roughly in its own groove, We'll be back to posting episodes a lot more frequently. Uh, at least I'm going to speak for myself. I don't know about Ashley. <laughs> so, also, I don't know if you guys have noticed. Another thing that I've been doing also in the background, just to kind of get back into a little bit more of personal projects, I've partnered up with Threadless, which is a website where you can design and sell merch. I've been spending a lot of my free time just creating designs and hopefully you guys like them. There are ones for the podcast, obviously, with the logo. And then a new other logo that I made just for like a a crest, just to make it look cool. A couple of them. And there was also some for the elemental ones for the elemental meditations that I did. So there's one for each elemental. And you can get t-shirts, sweaters, notebooks, pillows. There's a variety of different things that you can apply the designs to. So I hope you guys really like that. Another really cool thing that I liked about Threadless is that you can section off some of the proceeds to go to specific charities. And so for the elemental ones, if you purchase any of the AIR merch for I Conjure the Spirits of AIR, it goes to the ADAA, which is a, an organization dedicated to prevention, treatment, and cure of anxiety, depression, and other mental health issues. And there's also the Trans Lifeline, which is a nonprofit organization offering to direct emotional and financial support to trans people in crisis. And then for I Conjure the Spirits of Fire, we have the Trevor Project and the National Queer and Trans Therapist of Color Network as a member of the LGBTQIA community. I was really excited to see that some of the proceeds from these designs can be, you know, go to some of these charities that can be very influential and very helpful to a lot of different people. But not only that, for the other elemental ones that we have for I Conjure the Spirits of Water, the proceeds will go to a nonprofit organization called Oceana which helps protect and restore oceans on the global scale. And also with I Conjure the Spirits of Earth, we have the Eden Reforestation Project. Now, this organization has planted over 500 million trees a year and provides fair wage and employment to impoverished villagers as agents of global forest restoration. And obviously, as a religion that celebrates nature and all of the aspects of nature, including the humans and the earth that we live upon, I thought it was a great idea to... Pretty much have most the majority of the proceeds for these designs to be going to organizations like this. And also Threadless matches the sales of the proceeds and donates to those charities as well. So I thought that that was really cool. So if you guys would like to check that one out, be sure to go to feastoftorchespodcast.threadless.com and check out some of the designs and get some merch. And on top of all that, we have also have the book club going for the Feast of Torches podcast Patreon in which we are reading The *The Doctrine and Ritual of High Magic by Elvis Levi, the new translation by John Michael Greer, and Mark Anthony Mikitouk. We are a couple chapters in at the moment, but if you've read the book or if you can read pretty fast, um, you're more than welcome to join us. I'd also like to take a moment to give a shout out to all of my Patreon subscribers, Christine, Lindsay, Abby, Nick, Jamie, Ashley, Charlie, Tiana, and Jim. And I appreciate you all for coming to the book club and having fantastic and amazing discussions with you. And we're not even halfway through. <laughs> Alrighty, now that we got all of that out of the way, let's get back to the topic at hand. Magical growth. Now, when we think about magical growth in, you know, the development of our own practice. You know, we all start off as novices. You know, we're all coming to this very green, having an idea of what magical practice is, right? You know, we all... Watch movies or TV shows or read books that involve witchcraft or any sort of occult practice, and it gives us a preconceived notion of what our craft should look like. And also, especially nowadays, you know, with everything, you know, all the YouTube channels and other podcasts that are out there, and Instagram and TikTok, and you see, you know, a, a variety of different people and their own magical practice and how they present themselves, and you so you see tools and these big ornate altars and you know it really gets you to look at you know oh just because i don't have all of that stuff you know i'm still very much a beginner i'm still very new to this i'm not really going to get on the topic of the whole baby witch concept but you know it, i think it's it's very much you know this it puts you in this mindset of you know i need to have all of these things so that i can be better i can be seen as an authentic witch or occultist, and I think it's important to remember also that even if you have all of these, you know, these extra things that that doesn't necessarily make you more advanced or more knowledgeable um, or more effective in your magic and how things play out for you, you may be perceived as, you know, knowing a lot more or giving this persona that you are experienced, that you are advanced, but that may not necessarily always be the case. So when we think about levels of experience, you know, there's novice. So that's when you're first coming into this and learning everything's going to be fresh and new. And then there's also, you know, adept, right? Adept being you've done a lot of things, you've experienced, you've had a lot of experiences and you feel a little bit more effective in how you can write rituals or do spells or use witchcraft in a way that's beneficial into your life, right? And then you have the quote unquote master or the expert, um, which I feel no one really is. Uh, a lot of people tend to perceive themselves to be experts or masters in the craft, so to speak. I think if there were... I was having a conversation during the book club, actually. We were reading Doctor. and Research of High Magic, and it was kind of talking about how, you know, the mentality around you... If you are truly one with the divine, in this case, and you're able to work effective magic, then you're not really, like spreading the word around right you're not like oh i need to gain all these students i must teach this to everybody you know you're just you're living your best witchy life getting what you want and moving on with your life right it's not really it hasn't overtaken your ego to the point where you think that you were the best that ever was but then you know you look at your life and you're in shambles you know i gave the example of ea coetting for example you know he he comes off as being very knowledgeable i've read one of his books and it was very entertaining i personally took it as being more of a work of fiction but i could see how people not knowing you know the background of eocheding and his life and also you know working with demons in general you know just coming into this very brand new not really knowing anything out of anything and reading those texts and thinking okay you know this is what this is what magic must be like Right. You know, I have to work out and and be the fittest I can be because that's how magic works. Like your fitness really fucking matters (laughs) how effective your magic is. But, you know, again, you know, you look at his life and he's giving up all these claims. You know, I can make you a living God and I, you know, I'm the best teacher that's out there by my books, by my lessons or materials or whatever. And you will be a master magician in no time right but then he was just recently a prison for dealing meth and then there was also the court case against him recently uh considering one of his books apparently talked about human sacrifice and these people who had read these books thinking that he was top shit attempted to do this <laughs> and they themselves got themselves in a lot of trouble um I, don't, I haven't read too much into that case uh i don't know if they actually attempted to murder somebody for witchcraft. Um, but I think, or went through with it. I Honestly, I'm not, I'm not 100% sure. Um, but the fact that, that that is even happening in his life, not to mention the myth. I feel like the myth is something that gets overlooked when we're talking about Ieco wedding. You know, it's it's this idea of just because somebody may come off as having lots of knowledge and being able to present something to you in an easy and digestible way, doesn't necessarily make them, quote unquote, right. And I think it's important that when we do look for teachers and do look for people to gain wisdom from, we look at their life, we look at, you know, how is them using their magic affected them, right? And, you know, I think the idea of most occultists and most witches is to strive to be the best that we can be. But like, how do we measure that, right? How do like, why? Why is that important? Why is it important to grow in your craft and your practice you know i think when when you're looking at your practice and oh you know i've been in this practice for like 10 years and i've been doing the same thing and you know it's worked for me right up until this point i think it's also important to look at yourself in that same mindset and be like okay has it really worked for me has is this essentially just a placebo effect where i feel like it is you know, it makes me feel better, right? Um, but I look at my life and nothing's really changed. There's no, There's been no beneficial things that have been happening to me since the practice of magic, you know, aside from the normal things of life. You know, you work hard at your job, you got a better job, you get promoted or you gain more money, right? But how has your magic effectively been improving on your life that it wouldn't normally move in that direction anyway? Right, like are, are we doing... You know, if you do a money spell, are you getting, you know, another raise as your job as a result of the money spell that you did? Or was it just simply coincidence that you did a money spell right before you were about to get a raise anyway? You know, you can do money magic in the sense of, oh, I know I'm getting a raise soon. Let me, do, or let me work some magic so that I can get a little bit more of a bump than they normally would give, right? But I think it's also important to remember that your hard work, it, I don't think you should diminish the hard work that you put into your job. In the sense of, you know, I know I'm not getting recognized for the hard work that I do. Let me work some magic so that I do get this payment. Right. But then if you do, you know, maybe unknowingly to you, I know many bosses that tend to be very in the background, seem like they're not really paying attention to the things that you're doing and you don't really feel as appreciated. But then when it comes time for a raise, they're like, you know, I know you've been doing this thing. Let me give you a raise to compensate for the hard work that you've been doing. Right. So I feel like there's a lot of things that people tend to take as coincidence and not necessarily a result of what their magic actually did. You know, I think it would be more beneficial, again, to specify things like, you know, if I want a raise at work, I want specifically a dollar raise. Nothing more, nothing less. I feel like that is what I deserve. Let me get that. And then if you do the spell and then, you know, you go in for your raise and it comes out to a dollar, I would say that that would be an effective work of magic. And it may be that they normally give out dollars if you ask other people. And, you know, if that was just something that everybody got, then I wouldn't really say that that's an effective use. I mean, yes, you did get the dollar at the end of it anyway. But I think it's also, you know, you should be more critical of how your magic is, the results of your magic and how exactly it is coming in, right? So one of the ways that we can measure this growth in how effective our magic is is uh, by journaling. You know, write little blurbs or whatever in your journal, like, "Oh, I did this spell. This is what this is the day that I did it on." Um, in Donald Michael Craig's book for Modern Magic, he has a great uh, layout or worksheet, I guess, for things that you can write after doing any sort of working. So you put like the moon phase, the day, the weather, anything that sort of could have, that that was happening that day, right? And then you also put the type of working that you did. What did you do before? Leave a little bit of space extra for after you did the working, what happened? Um, What were the results? Can I consistently do this one spell and consistently see results from this one spell? Right. And I think that's one of the more efficient ways to measure how we are growing in our practice, you know, as we are constantly looking and reviewing what we're doing and trying to constantly improve by, you know, either reading books or going to lectures or. Speaking to other occultists and be like, hey, you know, I did this thing. How can I do this better? Because it didn't work really right for me this time. You know, do I include herbs for this? Should I include certain spirits? Is there any certain other spirits that I can call upon that will help this be more a little bit more effective for me? Should I involve planetary magic? How more involved in the magical working that I did can I be so that it is more effective next time I use it? Right. And so thinking about this and how long it takes for us to go about doing this, right? You know, we could be doing this for a couple months. We could be doing this for years. How does exactly, do you measure your magical growth? You know, is it through your journals? Is it through your lived experience? Is it through your number of years that you've been? You know, I would say that for me, yes, I have been practicing and involved in the occult and witchy communities since, I mean, I wouldn't say directly since I was 12. I started getting into it when I was like 12, 13. But even though I have those quote unquote, 15 years of experience, I would say in actuality, it'd probably be around seven or eight of like active practice where I was constantly, you know, learning new things, interacting with the community and constantly just like working on myself and my practice. Right. So I think it's always best to take Look look at your your the amount of time that you've been doing this critically, you know, just because you've been doing it a certain amount of years, like there are people who've been doing witchcraft for twenty years and, you know, they come off as being like, Oh, I've been doing this for so long. That means that I have all this wisdom, right? That's not necessarily always the case. In fact, most times I find that's usually not the case. There are a lot of people out there who have yes, been doing this for a very long time, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's been effective for them. Or they have the type of mentality to teach their craft to other people, right? And I don't think everybody is meant to be a teacher. Just because you may be effective at your own craft, it is difficult. It takes a certain type of personality to be able to adapt that for others to take in. Because we don't all take in magic and the understanding of magic the same, right? We all think about it differently. We all all think and view our deities differently, Um, You know, when I was, I think I talked about this in in, uh, the worship episode, you know, like just because me and the people in my coven, we were all trained together and we all were around the same age. We all had very fundamental different views of how deity functioned, right? And it's, none of them were wrong. None of them them were necessarily right. It was more of just, this is what worked for us. This is what helped us connect to the divine in a specific way. And so it can be difficult to teach that to others if you don't have the right mentality for it, making it more palpable for a variety of different types of people. You can't teach every single person the exact same way either. And so taking all of that into context, you know, let's take like me, for example, do I consider myself a an advanced witch? You know, just because I have a podcast and I am an initiate of a specific tradition You know, does that make me an advanced switch? Does that having that training, does that having that? I mean, definitely not the podcast. That doesn't make me an advanced switch at all. (laughs) The training, I would say it would definitely, it gave me a really good foundation to work that tradition. I wouldn't necessarily consider that to be, I wouldn't put that on the spectrum of, does this make me an advanced switch or not? You know, I think that a lot of it tends to apply to how do we apply this knowledge that we learned, right? In actuality, I don't really think that there's anything as an advanced witch, an advanced practice. Um, it's varying levels of learning, right? You know, we're all novices, and we're all varying levels of novices. There's no, there's not really an end point to learning a specific method of magic, right? Like, yes, you can learn, for example, like the, the Key of Saltman, right? It is a book, it is a text that you can learn it, and you can do the rituals in it. But, you know, given given the things that we're finding about now with uh, uh, Joseph Peterson's coming out with the Elucidarium of Necromancy, right? It's an even bigger development of understanding that we didn't have from the Lamechaton before. Or I believe it was the Heptameron uh, I could be mistaken. <laughs> I haven't gotten the book yet. Um, I've been waiting for it. It's still on the way. But... From my understanding, like it's still like there's still deeper understandings to that specific text that we don't necessarily know now, and that we may not know until the future when mo- when more people or when other scholars you know go deeper into this text and and other practitioners you know build upon it in the sense of they've worked the foundation. How can I improve? Right? We're all constantly trying to improve the things that we're left to us essentially by the magicians of the past or the, the witches of the past, the elders of the past, you know, whether that's specific tradition or grimoires or whatever. I think if anything, if I were to consider anything advanced magic, I think it would be that kind of concept by itself. You know, having gotten to this point of you have a really good foundation for what your magic is, for what your practice is, whether that be in a tradition or whether that be, you know, working a specific grimoire, like I said, or even your own personal practice. Like as long as you have a good foundation and what do you do with it after that? How can you improve in that? But then again, you know, yes, I'm a a quote unquote advanced witch in my personal practice, but that doesn't necessarily mean I'm an advanced witch all around. We're all novices in a variety of different topics, especially when In a more eclectic sense, we are constantly taking in new information, new different types of way of looking at things, different types of practices that we may want to include in our own practice. You know, specifically, like I've been getting really into learning about necromancy and spirit communication and and getting a little bit more active in that. You know, I may be quote unquote advanced in Wicca, but I'm still a novice in these other avenues, which I plan to... Have it enhance my own personal practice and my how i view my traditions practice right there's no like just because you there's no point in which you're going to be like oh i'm advanced now i can do everything and anything just because i quote unquote believe myself to be advanced like I, I think it's an arbitrary line that flows and fluctuates depending on the topic at hand you know there's no witchcraft isn't just one thing Alrighty, guys on that note i think that's all i got for today Hope you guys enjoyed the episode, and don't forget to check out the shop on Threadless at feastoftorchespodcast.threadless.com, and also be sure to subscribe to the Patreon if you'd like to support and join our book club as well. All right, have a good night, hail and farewell.